many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, hello, everyone, wherever you are in the world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Hey, this is just a spontaneous, <laughs> unplanned live stream. I'm here today to talk about the gospel missions. And I have as my guest this morning, David Joannis, a missionary in Thailand. And we're going to be talking about his book, Gospel Privilege. And I love the subtitle, which says the unearned advantage that's meant for everyone, gospel privilege. So, guys, welcome to the Kingdom Community Show, David Joannis. Hey, David, good to have you with us today. Always always a pleasure be, to be with you, Glenn. It's an honor. Yeah, well, look, I'm really excited to talk about um, gospel privilege. And yeah. uh, my heart, of course, is for the nations. I just don't see how we can say we are apostolic or, you know, we are evangelistic, whatever, without recognizing the Great Commission, because hmm. everything that Jesus did, and, you know, as one who's quote-unquote charismatic, the whole purpose of the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was to empower them to be witnesses of the gospel to the nations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, you live in Thailand, and uh, Thailand is one of those places that in Southeast Asia— after having the missionaries and the gospel for over 200 years, what you guys are like mostly Christian now. I mean, what's, <laughs> Just what's <about>. the reality? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's surprising when you think of Thailand, you know, you think of beautiful beaches. It's a tourist destination. It's even a medical tourism Mecca. You know, people come here to have cheaper, uh, high quality surgeries. So you think of this place and you think, wow, I mean, the people are amicable and friendly and always wying you by putting their hands together like this. Yeah. But the reality is, like you said, after 195 years this year, 1828, first Protestant missionaries arrived in Thailand. And until now, we are at less than 1% Christian. We're at 0.77% Christian, wow. making Thailand the most unreached country in all of Southeast Asia. Wow. Really? Uh, and so to me, as I live in these gospel dead zones is what I've started calling them. I mean, there's no context. There's no access to Bible, the, the churches, missionaries, Christians. It, we just live in a gospel dead zone. Mm. And uh, man, I, I share your passion that uh, this privilege of owning and having the gospel that God has so graciously given to us. Mm obviously sparks some sort of responsibility and duty and joy in that duty, not drudgery, but joy of fulfilling and taking the gospel to places, it's particularly it's not ever been before. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, David, there was probably about 10 years ago, I was actually ministering in the chapel service of a very large international ministry and to their team, to their staff in the United States. And that morning I arrived a little bit early and I was just sitting in the car praying. And open my Bible, it was a passage in Romans 15 where Paul said that, you know, I'm going to not build on another man's foundation. I'm going to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been heard. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me at this point, you got to get this. You got to shift from what you're doing. And, you know, I had done ministry and 
other nations. And, but most of those nations were, if not, yeah, most of them were predominantly Christian nations. You know, they would be world sea type of nations in the sense of access to the gospel churches and, and so on. And uh, the Lord just began to really speak to me about taking the gospel to the unreached. And so I've tried to be very intentional about that throughout mm -hmm. the years. And, you know, even with what we're doing with our Kingdom Community Television Network now, we have launched programs. We have 24-7 channels in Arabic, um, about to launch Bahasa awesome. next week. And, yeah, and, and, you know, so it's not just the places that speak English or Spanish or Portuguese and French as well. So many unreached people uh, that speak French, even in Canada, like it's... Quebec, okay, in Canada, the province of Quebec, 0.5% evangelical Christian. And uh, the city of Montreal is about 2% because of immigrants from, you know, West Africa, Haiti, and so on. But, um, you know, people think about that. But let's talk about our responsibility. You, your ministry within Reach Global. First of all, would you unpack what does the title of your ministry actually imply? Yeah, I, I love the title. And it was uh, coined by a friend of ours who was on the board for a number of years. And we had been thinking about and serving in you know China, where I spent 15 years, and then Thailand, and thinking, what what does it mean to go to these places, you know, like you said, that are completely gospel devoid, devoid of gospel mm -hmm. access? Yeah. And uh, there's a negative connotation around all these types of places because they're hard to reach, they're hard to get to. Mm -hmm. People are not necessarily receptive to the gospel historically, and yet we believe that they are within grasp and within reach of God's great grace, Amen. and we wanted to really empower that. So yes, it's called Within Reach Global, and I believe just the name itself kind of speaks to that hopeful aspect of God's desire for all nations, that none should perish, yeah. and even in that scripture you just quoted, you know, Acts 1.8, Surprisingly, Jesus links Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth with the very imperative article and not or. And I think that's what we're going to be getting at in this conversation, yes. that this is not some are just called to stay on the home front and some are called to those yeah. far off other places. Yeah. Uh, rather, I think Jesus gives us that divine linking of the local and global heart of God because he's passionate about cultures and race and community and colors. And um, I believe we want to see Revelation 7, 9 fulfilled within Reach Global and you do too and people who are watching. And at, at that depiction of what heaven is going to be like, there we have all the peoples of the earth from every tongue and tribe and people and background and ethno-linguistic uh, tribe represented, clothed in white, redeemed, and worshiping around the throne of God. That's the most exciting, passionate thing that we're all about here at Within Reach Global, and I'm so happy to share that passion with you. Yeah, and I love the the title, Within Reach Global. Uh, you know, it's such a positive way to look mm -hmm. at things rather than say unreached. And yeah. even though there's still one-third of the nations of the earth, the population of the world is still unreached, this is saying, hey, guys, even though they're unreached, they are within reach. And I, I really appreciate that. That's uh, certainly what Jesus wants us to do. Like, hey, we can do this. We can get this done. And it's Matthew 24, 14 as well, which said, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so yeah. many people miss that. It's just like, <laughs> well, I'm just ready. Jesus, take me home, and I'm just trying. And God bless our land, and God help us to, you know. And we, we certainly want all of that. Nothing wrong with that. But this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, all the ethnos and then the end will come wow there we go so yeah. guys jesus well, said we, get it done <laughs> well we linger so so much on the the persecution and the tribulation and the covid 19s of matthew 24 and we we linger on all these present circumstances right that right. are uh, at our doorstep right now because they're present they're present day realities mm -hmm. but specifically after all the nations have an opportunity, have access at last yeah. to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the hinge upon which eternity culminates right there. And so if we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of the main thing and, and not get sidetracked by sociopolitical agendas and, and the power abuses we see and even personal preferences at the, the expense of others, which are so easy you know, to yeah. become overwhelmed with, but we focus in on the main goal here. It's the extending yeah. of the kingdom of God on the earth before he renews the earth and makes new heavens and new earth. Yeah. And um, that's exciting. You know, it, this is, this is not drudgery. I think we have this yeah. wrong concept of, of, of missions or going or even disciple making or sharing your faith because it's hard and it's embarrassing and I'm not mm. comfortable, but truly um, it, it's such an exciting, powerful thing to be in the trenches with Jesus as he's leading the way. He's carrying most of the burden, the yoke, uh, right. but we get a chance to be part of the action. Count yeah. me in, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it is uh, such an amazing thing. So, David, you are in Thailand within Reach Global Ministries. Uh, what are you guys actually doing? Hmm. In terms yeah, of I mean, you think of the history here in Thailand specifically. We spent 15 years in China, and the ministry became uh, uh, indigenously led. Right now, it's completely uh, indigenously led uh, with our 15 uh, local missionaries. They're all ethnic tribes in China. Uh -huh. And our whole focus has been church planting, disciple making, and uh, extending the gospel to places that, that don't have access. So, yeah, we do different uh ways and means of that. We do kids camps. We have compassion ministries, which is serving the homeless and the poor. And that's a big part of, of mm. what we're doing. Um, but uh, the, the goal here and the whole focus is really surrounding that disciple making process, which uh, we have continued over the many years with our curriculum. It's called the discipleship equipping path. So the majority of our efforts, if it's, you know, uh, uh, kids ministry or, or giving out food packages to people who've lost their jobs and are in complete desperate poverty uh, due to COVID-19 or other things. Um, it, it points down the pathway of that discipleship equipping path, and that's raising up strong disciples and unlocking who is Jesus. So um, over the years, I mean, I've been so amazed, and, and it's because of our local indigenous missionaries empowering them to do it. We've seen 75 churches planted. We've had uh, over 95 pushing 100,000 uh, gospel encounters 
And remember, these, these are in places where there's political pressure and there's government opposition and persecution. All of our local missionaries have had police following them, Plainco's police, been jailed, been beaten, sometimes right in front of me. And so this is the reality of difficulty. Wow. But, but in spite of that, uh, in your simple steps of going, God has blessed so tremendously um, the whole goal is to hand the gospel to people who have never had it before, raise them up to be themselves the pivot point upon which all these unreached tribes come to Christ, that indigenous missionary. Yeah, that's so good. Well, your book, Gospel Privilege, um, again, the website gospelprivilege.com for those listening to the podcast. David, let's talk about your book, the actual phrase gospel privilege where did that come from yeah i i love this phrase i mean it's kind of a play on play on bad words on naughty words <laughs> you know you, you think you talk about the gospel in our day and age and it has such uh misconceptions and misnomers go down to quebec walk around the city i was recently talking to a friend that you introduced james park he was telling mm -hmm. me about sharing the, his faith in, in canada and people he shared the gospel and uh, they're like, the gospel, you mean Johnny Cash? Oh, they wow. had no concept of what the gospel was. So there's a misnomer and misconceptions around the gospel. And then certainly add to that privilege. You have white and male and socioeconomic privileges that are very pejorative in our, our world today. But this term first appeared and was used widely in 1658. I was homeschooled. So how long ago was that, Glenn? Uh, I think we're going back. <laughs> 450 years. I thought you meant how long ago were you homeschooled, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now in 1658, it first appears and a guy named Isaac Ambrose, his work, it's called looking into Jesus. He said this, this indeed is the glad tidings, the gospel, the gospel privilege and our gospel duty looking mm -hmm. unto Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of this is just really encapsulated in uh, Ephesians. You talk, you open the, your Bible to Ephesians 2, okay. and it's that but God hinge upon which everything changes. You know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You formerly walked according to the course of the world, and it goes mm -hmm. on. Uh, you were completely dead and had no life in you. And then verse 4, chapter 2 in Ephesians says, but God. Hmm. Being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead and in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. For it is by grace that you've been saved. And then strangely, just a couple verses later, says, this is not of your own doing. It's a hmm. gift of God, um, not a w w result of works. No one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So, I love that gospel privilege, which was a common phrase, Matthew Henry popularized it back in the day, um, always elicited gospel duty and responsibility mm. with it. And I explore that uh, through a number of different stories and narratives. But uh, this, this phrase has been around for some time. But typically, when we hear the word privilege, we do not read it as gospel privilege. Right. What I'm saying is this is the greatest privilege known to humankind, and it is the unearned advantage that is meant for every single individual. Yeah, so so true. And we take it for granted so easily. 
Um, but yeah, we have access to the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were born in a home where you parents were Christian, whatever, I mean, wow, what a privilege. And uh, what, what an amazing thing that we have access. Let's just talk a little bit about places in the world that do not have this access. Mm-hmm. And you refer to them in your book as gospel dead zones. What, what exactly is that? Well, it's like you go, you know, you hold up your phone and you're searching for a signal and you can't find Wi-Fi or cell towers, not in the area. And you just you just can't get online. And um, this is the kind of places we go. You you hold up a, a picture of Jesus, depiction of the gospel, and people have no context of what you're saying. So, I mean, people mm-hmm. in America, uh, we are all have what I call the privilege of gospel access. Joe Biden's got it. Donald Trump's got it. Um, Joe Rogan's got it. Taylor Swift's got it. We all have that privilege of gospel access in countries like North America and much of the world that has a history of Christianity. Are there uh, very anemic versions of the gospel that have sprung up? Absolutely. And I want to make that distinction between the robust gospel, the powerful aspect of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives to accomplish his purposes. But we have this access. You go to other places, specifically in what we call the 1040 window. It's, a, it's that, that rectangle on the earth, doesn't really exist on maps, but it's from 10 to 40 degrees uh, latitude north of the equator, stretching from Africa, eastern or Western Africa, all the way across the Middle East into the Asia's. And this is where people really have never heard the name of Jesus whatsoever. My dad was born in a family that was completely chaotic. And, you know, his mom, my grandma came home from the hospital bandaged like a mummy because they were extreme violence in the home. And he had this great encounter. He had access to the gospel somehow by God's mercy on the Huntington Beach Pier in 1971 on a cool September day. Since his life changed, he passed on to me the privilege of gospel access. It became gospel privilege to me when I gave my life to Christ and made him the Lord and Savior of my life. And what has so struck me is that we can't soak up gospel privilege and yet ignore our soul-winning responsibility and leave all these other people to drown in spiritual darkness. And I believe that it's true wherever your geographical location is. Uh, so here specifically, that's what we do among unreached people. People have never heard. Have you? I walk into villages in China before and said, Have you ever heard of Jesus Christ here? And one guy said, Is that, is that a brand of a soap? Wow. He had, he had no context for what I was asking him. And um, to me, that's that's just not fair. And yeah. I, I kind of echo David Platt's sentiments when he says, when will this idea of the unreached become so abhorrible to us? And um, I, I think it hasn't because we don't understand the reality of lostness mm-hmm. and the reality of those in need of saving through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes, that's so true. Yeah, so powerful. Now, look, uh, let's talk a little bit about what has been happening in recent years. Um, I've seen this as a trend, and it's happening in America for sure, and I'm sure in other Western nations as well, maybe not to the same degree. 
but um, you know, there's a lot of need. There's been unrest. There's there's been, you know, political, economic instability, and and people are just struggling in various ways. Inflation, all of that stuff, and so the the tendency is to just say, hey, you know what? We just got to focus on the home front here. You know, true story. Yeah. I was at a church. Well, about a year ago here in the United States preaching and I was talking about reaching the unreached and other nations. And essentially the pastor of the church told me, hey, look, we've got too many churches out there that are just focused on taking the gospel to other countries and they're not doing anything in their own backyard. Hmm. And um, basically in a nice and gracious way telling me that's not the message I should be preaching at that church. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, so let's just talk about that. Why should Christians give any thought to people living on the other side of the world when we have, you know, such tremendous need right now in, in our countries, you know, particularly here in the United States? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I hear that often as well. And just out of, I'll start from the beginning and say, statistically, that sentiment is absolutely uh, aired. It is incorrect. Um, I think there's a limelight of missions, specifically the unreached, and it gets highlighted on different blogs and books and articles because it's maybe the exciting thing that is different. Uh, but the reality is um, there is not a whole bunch of people out there doing missions to the unreached world. In fact, of the Tens of thousands of missionaries, hundreds of thousands, actually, uh, 400,000, I think, counting everyone on the mission field right now. One in 300 goes to the unreached world, whereas the other 299, statistically speaking, will go to Christianized or places that have access to the gospel or maybe have a history of the gospel places. And so am I saying, no, you should not go to Guatemala and Brazil and Definitely don't go to France and anywhere in Europe. Certainly not, because souls have the same value, whether they're in Netherlands or Nepal or Nebraska. Uh, the value of a human soul counted so much that God left all the wealth and the riches of the most exclusive gated city in all the universe came down to make his home among men and to extend his invitation to his grand plan, which was redemption of the world and, you know, uh, relationship back with God. So people in your hometown matter just as much as those in unreached areas. Uh, I think sometimes missionaries have a tendency because there's a passionate call. You have to go to the, the Nepals and the Thailands and these unreached areas because the gospel has never been seen there. And that's true. Um, don't mistake that for displaying um, the imprint of every single human being made in the Imago Dei, imprinted with the image of God on them. So, yeah, I, I think we need to be aware of our cultural surroundings, aware of what's happening in our city. My goodness, if you're living down in Austin somewhere, you should know what the population is and, uh, you know, what the situations are. What is the drug abuse problem? You should understand because souls ma matter whether in Nebraska or Netherlands or Nepal. And, um, but I think God's heart is so big and we have this infinitesimal kind of myopic perspective so often because 
that's our tendency as humans, right? Uh, that we can't see beyond Austin. We can't see beyond Quebec. We can't see beyond our little zip code. Uh, meanwhile, God sees this macro plan. You know, in Chinese, we have this statement. Uh, I spent many years studying Mandarin Chinese when I was in China. And we have this statement that says, Jing di zhiwa, the frog in the bottom of the well. And I think it describes so well our tendency toward myopia that we're like this frog in the bottom of the well looking up our only horizon is this small blue dot at the very tip of the edge of that well and i believe god wants to pour the waters of his holy spirit into that well into our lives and that that flow raises us up to catch a glimpse of his macro perspective and that always includes people from every nation tribe tongue and language awesome yeah so good Listen, everybody, I'm talking to David Joannes, who's a missionary in uh, Thailand, and also the author of a book called Gospel Privilege. And uh, we're talking about reaching the unreached and, honestly, gospel dead zones and how privileged we are to be able to have access to the gospel. But David is not saying that we don't preach the gospel in our country, in our zip code, Uh, But he's saying it's not an either or, but it's a both and. And we have an obligation. We have a responsibility to do both. Now, David, uh, just talk a little bit about a phenomenon that we are experiencing right now in particularly in Western nations. Um, It's a generation that was born between 1999 and 2015 called Gen Z. And for the first time, this generation is really the post uh, post christian a true post christian generation what about them um how do we impact gen z yeah i i love this conversation so much because you think of gen z they get a bad rap okay including millennials as well <laughs> millennials gen z they they fill the internet with memes um and uh it's not it's not quite fair because uh, I recently read a book. It's called The Fourth Turning by William Strauss and Neil Howe. It was an awesome book talking about how generational shifts kind of come full circle. And there's this theme throughout recent and modern history, hundreds of years back, that um, share similar traits and passions and agendas as previous generations. If you go back to the, so, the what sociologists call the missionary generation, not because they were all missionaries like Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael and Adoniram Judson, who did come from those that uh, particular uh, generation, the missionary generation, but they were passionate about justice. They were passionate about alleviating human suffering making the world a better place. And, and you, you fast forward past the greatest and past all these other, and then the, the boomers and then Gen Xers and millennials and Gen Z today share surprising traits as those in 1860 to 1882. That's the missionary generation. Now fast forward now. They are passionate about injustice, or I should say passionate about justice. Now, are some of these SJWs, their, their, their passion is misdirected? Sure, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, though they've gotten a bad rap, I believe that God has a special destiny for Gen Z specific, millennials included, uh, to fulfill the Great Commission in a remarkable and robust way by loving our neighbors as ourselves. And uh, this includes stopping as the good Samaritan did, 
for that man on the side of the road when all the religious folk passed right by him. And yeah. maybe the religious folk were you and me, Glenn, I don't know, yeah. boomers, Gen yeah. Xers, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's not that previous generations didn't share that passion, but right. Gen Z has a specific call and a, a mm. robust one, I believe, that echoes back to the missionary generation of 1860 to 1882. Uh, to me, that's really exciting because many in the West have left behind uh, Christianity as historically uh, claimed, and they're embracing these eclectic and personalized and secular alternatives. And so it's easy to kind of throw them all in one group and say, there's no hope for Gen Z. Mark my words, there is hope, and they will play a pivotal role in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. I believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, even though there's this uh, proclivity, it's really an aversion away from institutionalism in the way that we knew church. They're not anti-community, meaning they want to be part of a spiritual family. Um, They want to experience God. In other words, they have a spiritual hunger and desire. And as you said, that focus on, on justice and and really seeing the gospel go forth. I mean, they, they want to do something. There's passion yeah. for, for mission and making a difference. And that's what we've found. And so we're really excited to be able to partner with uh, Gen Z's and, and younger millennials in particular, nothing against older millennials, but just the saying those, yeah, <laughs> the, the, you know, I think there's a difference between the younger millennials for sure. Yeah. And uh, really to see them really equipped and sent out to to do what Jesus has called us to do. And yeah. the disciples, gosh, they were young. I mean, they're like the Gen Z's of Jesus day, right? <laughs> In many respects. So it, it's a crazy thing um, with where we're at. But God is in control and he's going to use it for his glory. And I really believe that we're going to see the most incredible a manifestation of God's power, seeing the gospel of the kingdom advance to the nations, and Gen Zs are going to play such a significant role in that. Um, yeah, just going back to your book, Gospel Privilege, one of the things I want to ask you, because obviously you're very passionate about what you're doing. You've given your life to see the nations reach, the unreached, saying within reach is your ministry within reach global. But when you wrote this book, Gospel yeah. Privilege, what was what part of the book did you find the most difficult to, to write hmm. that challenged you the most? Honestly, that's an that's an easy answer. Um, I mean, the the book is broken up into two different sections. And uh, the first one is the reality, what gospel privilege is. Second part is the responsibility, what gospel privilege does. And each chapter talks about the first one, gospel worth, gospel access, gospel poverty, gospel momentum. And it gets down to gospel justice. And honestly, that was that was the hardest chapter to write because I wanted to paint a picture of what it means for God's justice to take hold of our hearts so much so that we want to see justice uh, among those who are being trafficked, those, uh, uh, you know, under the spell of drug ab- abuse, under so many suffering and hurting and painful um, circumstances. 
And uh, as I was writing Gospel Justice, this, this chapter, I focused on who we call Yellow Jesus. His pseudonym, not his real name, is Zhang Rong. He's one of our local missionaries in China. I've been traveling, I've traveled hundreds of miles with him all throughout the hills of China to unreached people groups. An awesome uh, Aka man uh, from China who has become a missionary himself and planted over 20 churches, maybe 25 by now. And um, he, he went into this one community in Myanmar. So he went from China into Myanmar. And he began to live among this community who was completely, it was the epicenter of methamphetamine production for the United Wa State Army. And uh, there was families who were completely severed because of drug abuse and mm. narcotics and the narco wars happening and the you know, internal conflict of, of Myanmar, which is ongoing now 75 years. So he moves into this place that is dark and desperate. And I'm very close to him. I have a very personal relationship with him. He sees a little breakthrough. He sees some things happen, and um, but he wanted to see more. Well, one day this woman came up to him and his wife and said, I'm having a baby. And she was nine months pregnant. She said, when I have my child, I want you to take care of my child. I, I'm going to be jailed soon for, my, um, uh, for drug and narcotic abuse. And she knew that she was. As soon as the child was born, she gave this little girl over to Zhang Rong and his wife, and she was, in fact, jailed. They named her Yu Yu, Y-U-Y-U, Yu Yu, and that became their beautiful little daughter. Hmm. And about six months later, the mother who was released from jail, her sentence, came back to Zhang Rong, and her mood totally shifted. She said, I want my baby back. They had no legal rights. And so they turned the child over to her birth mom and she sold her on the black market the following day for 500 us dollars. And I remember him calling me saying, David, I've lost my baby. I've lost my only daughter. And, and um, it was so moving and crushing. And uh, we searched everywhere in this underworld, dark underworld of Myanmar, trying to find this girl. And they found that she was being groomed in this place where they groom children for, uh, trafficking, sexual trafficking, or child soldiers. Wow. And we found her, and we bought her back off the black market. Her price had increased $7,200 with Henry's Global, bought this child off the black market. Wow. And they legally adopted UU. And you'd think, wow, that is an incredible story of justice. But that was, that was surprisingly only the beginning of this story. Okay. He comes back to his community with his daughter, and all these Burmese people around them said, who are you? What, what are you doing in our community? When you first came to us, you didn't know who we were. We didn't know who you were. And he's, you know, he's yeah. Chinese. They said, you're, you're completely different than us. We're darker than you. And we call you look like a yellow Jesus to us. Wow. And this, this image stuck. They call him yellow Jesus to this day, kind of an incarnational picture of Jesus in their midst. That has led to an entire village, 126 homes coming to Christ. To me, that is what gospel justice does. Wow. That is the robust gospel at work, that incarnational aspect of loving your neighbor as yourself. And that was incredibly emotional to write because it was very personal to me, but I believe compelling for the reader, I hope. Wow. What, a, what an amazing story. Wow. So powerful. <laughs> crazy. We have no idea. You know, many of us were so insulated and we live in our 
you know, we don't all live in real literal gated communities, but in a sense we are so mm. shielded, so protected and, yeah. and so insulated. Um, but let's talk We're about not that. browsing the internet. We're not browsing the internet for how much, uh, stolen children on the black market cost, right? That's mm. unusual for us. <laughs> That's why it's so shocking, that story. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a such, you know, an evil thing. And yeah. Oh my gosh, terrible. Um, you know, one of the things that I would like to do is make things very practical for people in the sense that we can actionize on something like if this is just all about, well, hey, you know what, there's a David Joannis and others out there that like to move to other countries and work among the unreached people, but here I am, you know, I'm, I'm just working, I'm doing my thing, just trying to survive. And we have people that have legitimate struggles, you know, I mean, sure. single moms, whatever it may be. And what is there that we can do all of us to, to be involved in fulfilling what you call the greatest commandment. And I guess we mm -hmm. should say, what is the greatest commandment? I've heard about the great commandment and the great commission, but what is the greatest commandment? What, and, and how can we um, participate, all of us, in that? I, I totally hear you playing devil's advocate as if you don't know what the greatest commandment is, Glenn. Um, <laughs> but that is how gospel privilege culminates, actually. Uh, the final section is called gospel privilege and love. Mm -hmm. If we have been privileged with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what now do we do with it? And I kind of uh, bring up the picture of that good Samaritan. And uh, there's four things that I give to people at the final conclusion of gospel privilege and love. Hmm. Be observant. You kind of see this happening in the, in the Good Samaritan. As the others passed by him, he was observant. He saw this man's suffering. He was compassionate. He saw his blood. He saw uh, how he was wounded, picked him up, put him on his, his donkey or his horse, and hmm. act sacrificially. Um, I think so many times our calendars are so tailored uh, to ourselves and we are not, um, we're quite opposed to those inopportune moments when God speaks. He's always working. He's speaking to us to act sacrificially or, or do something for his name's sake, but it's not quite opportun opportune at this moment, Jesus. Right. You caught me at a bad time. <laughs> I've got something on my Google calendar, so I'm busy. Uh, that's the third one though, act sacrificially. And then, uh, finally live generously. And um, what does this look like in practical terms? I mean, if you're at the checkout lane and uh, paying for someone's, not only doing random acts of kindness, but giving uh, a gospel expression to your random acts of kindness. Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey can do random acts of kindness like anyone sure. else can. Uh, we carry the gospel, that future right. hope, that otherworldly hope. So, um, I think it's not only just walking up to people and making it awkward, like Jim Gaffigan says, I, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, so I want to talk to you about Jesus. You know, it's <laughs> it's entering into the lives of those around us and just asking them a few simple questions. In fact, a, a friend of mine, uh, Dare to Share Ministries, uh, came up with a, a really awesome app. It's called Life in Six Words. I think you find it in L-I-6-W on uh, mm. your app store. And it basically gives you a bunch of questions to ask and approach people, get to know them, break the ice, and then present the gospel. And I, mm. I think we need to be intentional about our time, our talents, mm. our treasure, and what 
kind of legacy, not only the legacy we're leaving, what do we want to set in motion in our lifetime? And, and, and what do we want to do to count for eternity? Um, Because this is the reality at judgment day. You're not going to be judged for your salvation by your good works. You can't do enough to get to heaven, but you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded for the good things you do in Jesus name, handing a cup of cold water, clothing those who are, uh, have no clothes or homeless. And so I I think there are many practical examples. I I feel like almost, I don't even need to give any practical examples because we know, we know, (laughs) but, um, it's taking that step of faith and saying, Lord, Mm. uh, I trust you on this. And that's honestly, it's an exciting, albeit terrifying at times thing to do. And, uh, I think that's what Jesus is beckoning us into living so sacrificially and generously that cities and lives and people change change around us yeah yeah so good you know several years ago when we were really doing a lot of ministry this is obviously prior to covid a lot of ministry in southeast asia ourselves one of the things that i just began to really reflect upon was how can we each one of us in the body of christ collaborate or co-labor with jesus in the harvest field. And obviously Jesus said the harvest is great or plentiful and the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would ekbalo more workers. And that word means push out with force, right? It's not a yeah. gentle term uh, in, of endearment or anything like that. And and so there's a sense yeah. in which God is saying, hey, I, I'm, the, sometimes we really need that, that push from God to get out there. And we see in the book of Acts, the one eight, uh, go into all the world preach the gospel, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, the unreached places, the far extents. And then later on in the eighth chapter, we see this persecution breakout and not the apostles, but the saints are scattered and they go and they take the gospel, literally end up going to the Gentiles. And and we know that in, in Antioch and Syria, and the fulfillment of that, in a sense, that there was an ekbaloing, a pushing out with force to be able to take the gospel. So that shows us the the importance and, and the priority of the gospel going to all nations. And so the, the four things that I learned, and this is, uh, you got this already, David, um, but for those who are watching, listening to this, is number one, we have to prioritize preeminently. Our lives have to be focused on what is the most important thing. And then secondly, how do we become a worker with God in the sense that the harvest is great and the workers are few? Well, secondly, we can pray passionately. Colossians 4.12 talks about this guy named Epaphras and how he, in the Greek, it says he agonized in prayer. There's a place for agonizing in prayer. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out, to ekbalo. Uh, all of the things, open doors. We can pr- we can pray passionately. We can partner provisionally. Number three, we can give. Third John eight talks about how we become co-workers as we give of our substance and our finance. And then, uh, lastly, we can participate personally. We need those who will go. And I remember years ago, Keith Green wrote a song. Jesus commands us to go and. The other line says, it should be the exception if we stay. No wonder we're going so slow when Jesus has commanded us to go. And we have to get back to that in this generation. And we've made church 
so, so comfortable in the Western nations. It's all about us. It's focused on accommodating people rather than challenging people to give their lives and uh, to, to take the gospel to the unreached and forsaking all to fulfill that call. That mandate is what Jesus said, yeah. take up your cross and follow me and do what I've called you to do. And I really appreciate what you've done, David, you, your wife, and you know, your, your you know, <laughs> girls as well, and how God is using you to impact the nations. But again, we go back to the reality is there's still such a need for more workers. So I want to put a pitch mm -hmm. in for your yes. book, Gospel Privilege, because I really believe it's going to help people. Um, would you just talk about that? Tell us how do we how do we get a copy of your book, and uh, yeah. and, and so we can connect with yeah, you. Yeah, thank way. you so much, Glenn. I mean, I, I appreciate it. Um, let it never be said of us. The second other part of Keith Green's line: Jesus rose from the dead, but you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> let that not be said of us. Gospel privilege, wow. I believe, is the unearned advantage that's meant for everyone. I do believe that this got, this book is really kind of like a clarion call for the gospel privilege to stand in advocacy for and in solidarity with the gospel deprived wherever they might be. And he's calling us to step beyond our borders, even when it's risky or uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and to share the rich privilege of the gospel access and privilege that we have. So yeah, pick up a copy at gospelprivilege.com. I'm just so appreciative, Glenn, of you giving the opportunity for me to share a little bit about this, not only this book, but the, but the overarching narrative of God's heart for the nation. So yeah, yeah I, I hope this uh, resource is going to be beneficial and a blessing to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's such an incredible resource. Also available in audiobook, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's all yeah. available in audiobook. And uh, so, yeah, you, you have no excuses, bit, by the way. <laughs> I love audiobooks, too. So, great. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Kingdom Community Show. My name is Glenn Blakeney, and my guest today has been David Joannis. Head over to gospelprivilege.com. You can learn more been talking about the Great Commission and the need to take the gospel to all people everywhere. And uh, such a privilege to have you with us, David. Look forward to getting this video uh, dispersed on the Kingdom Community Television Network. For those of you guys who are listening, the website is kingdomcommunity.tv. It's kingdomcommunity.tv. And now, guess what? We have the actual uh, radio network now and it's kingdomcommunityradio.com and awesome. uh, please go over there check out all the content if you love this interview if it really resonates with you guys we also have the podcast as well and david you have a podcast what's your podcast called Yes, Missions Pulse, which you can also find by the way on kingdomcommunity.tv no need to navigate to youtube just use the app yeah. Yeah. We appreciate that. And the opportunity to be able to host uh, Missions Pulse. You do a lot of incredible interviews and um, it, it's just good stuff. I really enjoy it mm -hmm. and watch it regularly. So thank awesome. you, everybody. Thank you. Bless you for uh, all that you do in Jesus Christ, your heart for the Lord, your desire to fulfill the Great Commission. Um, thank you, David. Bless mm -hmm. you. We look forward to seeing you. Not sure when we're going to get over there, but we definitely are wanting to get over in Thailand and, and spend some time together. So have a awesome. great day, everyone. Bless you. Blessings. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. 
We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.